to the Davis 10 Soccer Podcast. My name is Greg Davis, former NCAA Division I athlete, and the goal of this podcast is to shed light on the harsh realities of life after sports. My guest today is former professional and collegiate soccer player Kevin Garcia. A four-year starter at Villanova University, Kevin became just the third player from Villanova to be drafted by an MLS franchise selected by the New England Revolution in the 2012 MLS Supplemental Draft. He signed with Swedish club IFK Lulia in 2013 and made 30 appearances over two seasons before returning to the U.S., signing with the Houston Dynamo in 2016. Kevin would make 38 appearances for Houston, scoring his first MLS goal and winning the 2018 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. A member of the U18 National Pool Regional Team, Kevin led St. Francis Prep High School to its first undefeated city championship and was named Queens Player of the Year as a senior. A New York native, Kevin completed his bachelor's degree in finance and a minor in Spanish, along with a master's degree in finance, strategic management, and business analytics at Villanova University. He now serves as a player relations manager for the MLS Players Association, in which he advocates and supports players across the league on a variety of issues. Kevin, welcome to the Davis 10 Soccer Podcast. Thank you, Greg. Happy to be here and happy to connect with you after so many years. Yeah, Kevin and I, we were talking about it just before we hopped on here, but we go way back. I mean, he brought it back to talking about cleats on pavement, getting worn out. <laughs> so uh, so we grew up in in in, in Queens, and uh, and I'll get into, into Kevin's high school days, too, because we had a bit of rivalry between the two high schools, but yeah. uh, but we grew up in Queens, and, and, and Kevin actually played for the, my boyhood club, which was Auburndale Soccer Club, but he played for the the older team, um, which I believe was the Supersonics, and yeah. um, and I played for the younger team, which was the Little Animals that became the Heat. But we had the same trainer, which was uh, it's just uh, Elliot, which I know I mentioned before on this podcast, yeah. uh, former Trinidad and Tobago international, and uh, he used to have these summer camps. Shout out Ali Pond Park. Uh, and we would just, those were, I mean, at, at least for me, those were like, those were my most favorite summers. And there was a, a, like a large grass field. It wasn't the best, but the, when it comes to the pavement that I'm, that I'm referring to, I guess during like lunchtime or whatever, there, there was some, you know, there was some concrete and, and I guess we would take a stone and like draw either like we had, there were two games that we played soccer, tennis, which Anyone familiar with soccer knows soccer tennis. I mean, it's, it's essentially just, you know, picture a tennis court with a little line in the middle and you're, you're knocking it to each other uh, in between those boxes. And then Foursquare, which was which got pretty intense. It was mm-hmm. like uh, <laughs> it was like right. It was like so it was basically four boxes and it started with. I forget, I forget what it started with, but basically at the end was like king. And it was your point to like get around the box and become king. And yeah. once you became, oh my God. Like, and you served it, right? So if you were king, you served it <laughs> yeah. and you could, and you could like stitch people. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The point were always, was always to get king and there was always a long line. So if you lost, you'd have to get to the back of the line. Get to the back of the turn. line. Yep. Oh so my it got, God. it got extremely competitive, but man, it was so much fun. Like you said, it just brings <laughs> me back. Like you would arrive like eight in the morning and you would be out there till like one, two in the afternoon. And you just like couldn't wait like when you were done with camp to just do the same thing the next day. So yeah. like the games and, and it was all different age groups and 
Oh man, it was just it was just a blessing to just be a part of that and like connect with so many different people at those camps, man. Yeah, like before that was that was one of the first things Kevin Kevin said to me when we popped on here. He was like, "Man, Elliot's camp," and he said, "You know, like we used to go on the pavement with like our cleats and and it would become turfs because you know we would just be grinding away at those cleats on the pavement and, yeah, and the, uh, the studs would wear out." And I was like, "Man, that's that's a visual and a half right there." But that that's what it was, you know. That's what it was, and then. Uh, and then Kevin also, of course, you know, played at at St. Francis Prep, um, and then he actually, which was a rival of my high school, Archbishop Malloy, and then and then he played at Villanova, which was a, a, a kind of another another rival of Providence. So I mean, we've been yeah. on uh, opposite sides for for a while now. But... <laughs> but were you so were you were you on the squad my junior year? When I hopped in goal against Malloy in the semifinals, you see, but I was see, I was gonna bring this up because I was in the stands and I specifically oh. remember, and I'm pretty sure you, I, th- I think you guys won that game. You guys beat yeah. Malloy, yeah. So St. Francis Prep High School in in uh, in is it, is it Fresh Meadows? Is it no, uh, no, it's uh, I think it is Fresh Meadows, yeah. Consider right. Fresh Meadows Queens, right? Fresh and Meadows, then yeah. and then Archbishop Malloy High School, another high school in, in Briarwood, Queens. So fierce Queens rivalry. And yeah. Kevin is is two years older. So I don't I actually don't think we played against each other just because of like JV and varsity. Right, right, right. Maybe right. we did one time, but I, I specifically remember the game that you're talking about as a junior, because at that point I would have been a freshman, so still on the JV team. But right. I was in the stands watching, and I remember you. I, I think you. I thought you got a penalty, like you won a penalty, and then you took yeah. it and you scored. And so then, I, I, yeah, that's right. So we were. It was I think zero zero at the end of regulation, and we go to penalties. And I think like leading up to that game, uh, you know, our our goalie at the time, I remember, you know, he was a good goalie, and we had been undefeated, I think, in the regular season that year, and but like we knew penalty. Uh, kicks weren't his strong suit. So, like, we were practicing penalties leading up because once you get to playoffs, you know, like, it's always a possibility. So, you know, we all practiced who would be the takers, and then our goalie just wasn't stopping one. So I said, you know, I told the coach, like, let me just hop in for a few and see and see how it how it looks. So, like, I go in there, and, like, this even dates back to my days in Orbindale because we used to have some tournaments or some games where our goalie was just out for whatever reason, and we would ask field players to hop in and – you know, I think I just transitioned well in that moment to be a goalie because of my athleticism and because of my 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 height and um, you know my ability to distribute the ball and like just like my size, my my long uh, wingspan. So uh, it just came natural for me in a way, and like I remember enjoying it and like us beating a team one zero, uh, like a rival in in, in the Queens area. Um, but I like I never continued that route, right? But like I knew. Uh, in that moment, like in high school, I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. You know, I played goalie before, so let me just see, like, if my reflexes are still as good. And and I did, I did okay in, in the in the penalty kick shootout leading up to the game. And so we get to the game, and like the first two, uh, like the goalkeeper doesn't block them. And I think I took one of the first two as well. So I made mine, and like we were both uh, both sides, Malloy and Prep made the first two. And I go to the head coach. I said, should we make the switch? He's like, you want to do it? I was like, yeah, I think we should do it. He's like, all right, go do it. <laughs> so he gave me the green light. He gave me the nod, and I go to the keeper. I'm like, hey, coach, said we should we should swap. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He just told me. He's like, all right, fine. And he takes off his he takes off his gloves. He gives them to me, and the first person I go up against, I want to say I blocked two. Hold on, I did. I think Malloy's. I blocked one. It might have been they made three and we made three, and 
or was it we made four? It was like one. It was a deciding PK, and I go up against Tommy Lee. I think, <laughs> in Auburndale, bro. But it, nothing against Tommy. Like he hit a really good shot, and I don't know how I reacted so quickly, but I like I like sprung off my right foot and extended my left hand out like like that. Yeah, it yeah. Just like hit my forearm, and like I, I don't know. Maybe it was adrenaline or what, but like he just hit like a laser up in up here in the corner. And I somehow like reacted quick enough or like maybe I like jockeyed it and then I went that way. And so that way, like I had a little bit of a head start, but uh, yeah, like it hit and like we converted the fifth one and then it was game over. That's um, crazy. I know. Absolutely not. So it's then, so crazy. <laughs> so then uh, but like the next game, so that was semifinal and the next game is final, like a few days later against Ford and Pratt, same situation where zero, zero. Uh, our goalkeeper starts off in goal for the penalties and he goes in for like the first two and then same thing is happening like we've made two i've made two i actually missed and i went up against ryan mira who's a goalkeeper for new york red bulls now yeah. it's crazy like ryan mira i played against him my whole life too because he used to play for yonkers because he's okay. from yonkers okay so i played against him all throughout club against odp because he was uh eastern i think uh western uh odp i think it was and then we were eastern so we used to play against him and then Fordham Prep and St. Francis Prep always. And then even in college, uh, when he was at Fordham Prep, we played against them. So so we always had that rivalry. And I like we always played against each other like through each phase of our careers. And then so he's Coley. I'm the first uh, P-Kick taker. And I go up and I, I try to kind of corral it into, the, into my right side. And he reads it and he stops it. But I'm like, oh, no. And the keeper, like the ref, and you never, like back then, you used to never see uh, retakes. And the yeah. ref said he hopped off the line too early, and he calls it back. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm thinking, uh, you know what? I'm not going to try to just like uh, like place it. I'm just going to try to like rip it low and hard. And I ripped it low and hard, and he like he dove a little bit higher, and I went uh, right under him. So, um, so we started off that way. We're making uh, our kicks every step of the way. By the third PK, I'm telling the coach again, I was like, I think we should do the swap. All right, we do the swap. I jump in. The third PK, it was uh, kind of hit right towards me. Like maybe he was intimidated. Like I was jockeying back and forth, and then I like hinted that I was going one way, and he tried to go down the middle, and I just like stood there and, and I, I went down a little bit, but I still saved it. And then the fourth one really was uh, really like tested uh, my ability uh, to just like spring and and uh, and get to the corner of the goal. So it was uh, Mazzulo, I think his name was. Well, the headline read after the game, I saved it. The headline read, uh, laser from Mazzulo is stopped by Garcia. To win. <laughs> you got to save like, that one. Got to save that one. <laughs> yeah, to, to win the city championship. Um, and so I, I jockey to the left, and then I go right, and he just, like, rips it as hard as he can. And it's about to go, like, inside the post, and I just, like, get there just enough. And I think I hit, I hit the ball. It goes off the post, and then it goes out, and we win. And we win the city championship. <laughs> We go on to play Chaminade, who uh, I end up going against a lot of my Albertson teammates when I switched over from Auburndale to Albertson, and and they're just stacked. I mean, they uh, were like a good inner city club uh, club team, but yeah, yeah, at the time. But like when you go up against the Long Island teams, that's just uh, the training and the facilities and and uh, like all the players just kind of uh, campaign to be at the same school. It's just it's Chaminade was that school, and they were and they were tough to beat. So. We lost, I think, uh, one or two zero, and in this next, the following year, my senior year, same thing. 
uh, no, nah, but it was it was good. But like uh, like Malloy, like you said, like that rivalry was always there with us and Malloy. Uh, it goes back decades. And yeah, coach, absolutely. Our <laughs> coaches, like you said, are absolutely nuts with that. And I, I like now that you, I mean, shout out to, I mean, listen, that was a great paint the picture moment. Like, I mean, you, you, I think you hit the computer screen when you were reenacting that save there. So <laughs> that's for anyone listening. Like he's, he's really, he's, he really got that, got that save, save of that laser, uh, uh remembered. But, um, but yeah, no, that was, uh, that was fierce. And, and as you explain it now, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was at, cause I remember it was at St. John's university yeah. and I, I remember I was in the stands. So you make that save and it was gut wrenching just cause you know, <laughs> I, that, that rivalry, at least I, I know it's not, I don't know if it's just the same these days, but back in that day it was it was fierce it, it was, was fierce so um, was, but listen man it was it's so great to to to, to see you on like i said we go way back and yeah. um and just happy to, to have you on it and talk a little bit so uh let's kick it off so how did you yeah. get into soccer and uh and what initiated your love for the sport so uh i would have to give that to my heritage uh, i come from a colombian family i'm a first generation american uh my both my parents came from colombia in their 20s and uh, met in New York and had my brothers and I in New York City. And I think it was just so ingrained in our culture uh, whenever the Columbia national team would play. And my dad, when he, he didn't play uh, organized footy, but he did play recreationally with like a bunch of other Colombians. And I would always tag along with my brothers to see him play. And like we would even start jumping in when we got a little bit older. And it was just always cool to be part of like that family movement, that family experience of just uh, like soccer bringing us together uh, with other people. So like, we just fell in love with it. Uh, we, like my brother and I, like my brother really was the more like technical and talented wood growing up. And he was kind of, uh, you always look for motivation when you're younger. And I think it was good for me to have my brother um, kind of a little bit further ahead than I was because it always gave me something to reach, right? So he always gave me something to strive for. Um, and even growing up, like I used to look up to Matt Uwe and Yannick Salmon oh, yeah. and, and I'd be like, damn, like these guys, like their technical ability, ability and their ability to just like open up their bodies and, and, and they just like read the game and the clean touches. And like, I, like that's, I, I want that for myself. And, um, obviously like they put a lot of hard work and effort and time individually on their own to, to get to where they are. And, uh, I think uh with my family like they something that set me off was them saying like like george going that route of like maybe he has the most potential to make it in soccer and i like we all played like uh basketball and swimming and and, and soccer uh and it, like and i would always just like copy my brother like he dropped swimming i dropped swimming he ended up dropping <laughs> basketball um and he kept going with soccer but like i was at a point where like I'm, i was like really good at basketball going up in seventh eighth grade and then something went off in my head where my mom said, you know, I see you playing basketball professionally more than soccer. And I think when when you're when you're that young and maybe you're exposed to this mindset of like your brother is better than you and like you're always looking for something to like stir that fire inside of you. It was kind of like me against the world kind of thing. So like I any like negativity that I got or anyone like kind of doubting my ability that just kind of like fueled the fire in me. And it nice. made me, it made me want to uh, just like spend more time with the sport just to prove everyone wrong. Yeah. And, and that's something, and that I, and something that, that I attribute uh, like all my success to, because it had, I had, I had my way throughout all my youth. I don't know if I'd be where I am today. I think 
something I learned was from those failures. Like I taught myself to get up and to find a way to recover and, and, and put more work into it so that I could earn a spot on the ODP team or the regional team or the national team or starting for my club team. I mean, in the early days, I was cut from select. I was cut yeah, from ODP yeah. the first two years. I was cut. I'll never forget this. I went to go after I left Auburndale, before I went to Albertson, I went to go try out to Massapequa. They were having like three-day, three-day, four-day tryouts. And I remember I arrived late to a couple of days of the tryouts, but like I was there for most of the tryouts. But that was the team that Matt Uwe's on. And I thought for sure uh, that that was going to be like my new squad. Um, and actually, like Matt Uwe's dad was the coach. And I, I laugh about it because I know Matt Uwe and their family really well. I know the Uwe's and their parents. And like I look back at like his coach – uh, his dad is probably like a big reason why I just kind of doubled down on the sport and wanted to continue training on my own. And I would juggle and do uh, drills in my backyard on my own. I would like carry the, instead of like going to play basketball in the park, I'd like want to juggle and work on my fitness and, and do anything to just kind of work on, on those hours committed to the game. So he ends up cutting me at the end of that week. And, you know, I'm just angry. I'm angry that and I'm being cut from a club team. I'm angry that I'm being cut from the select team. I'm angry that the uh, Eastern New York uh, tryouts in like the first year I got cut in like the second round and the second year I made it to the last round and didn't get called. And so I, that's just starting to like fuel the fire more and more. I'm like, yeah. okay, I need to do more work. Clearly it's not been enough. I need to do more work. That just kind of set a lot of things in motion. And I start to progress year after year, start to gain more confidence. I kind of find my footing in the game on the team that I'm on and the state team with the, with my high school team, with the club team. And I, that foundation is kind of set for, you know, if, if I do, if I do confront failure, then I know how to respond because I've already kind of dealt with that in, in my early years in my, those foundational years um, as an adolescent. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that's so funny that you bring that up because I was going to, you know, I was going to mention it because, because you really had like a glow up for real. Like, I, you know, I mean, you know, like, listen, like, and obviously like, like all due respect to, to, to you. But I think when we were growing up, like real young, I don't, you know, if, if, if somebody was like, all right, pick a player on this team that you think is going to make it to the MLS. Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think, you know, Kevin Garcia would have been the first name that, that people right. chose. And, and it's, and it's funny that you mentioned that, that sort of, because you did. I, and, and I saw it just kind of knowing you and watching your career, like you, you kind of progressively got better, you know, as yeah. uh, you know, from younger into into high school, then heading off to Villanova, and then finally at like Houston Dynamo. It's like you really just progressively got better. I'm curious to know. Probably I'll ask you at what point you think you you kind of peaked, you know, because I think for you yeah. it was like you really just kept getting better. But what was you know. Was there a certain moment just just kind of being that you went through these like let's say trials and tribulations was there a certain moment when you were like yeah like going professional is a, is a reality for me was there a certain moment or time period where you were like yeah I'm actually I have that confidence and I know I could do it I think well it's something we always want as kids right it's something we always aspire to like we ask us like what do you want to be you want to be an astronaut you want to be a policeman you want to be a fireman what do you want to do when you get older and I think for me, it was always professional athlete. And I thought this is like, this is how naive I was. I was like 10 years, professional soccer, 10 years, professional basketball. And I'll call it right. <laughs> like it's that simple. Uh, no, I think when it actually became real for me was when I was in like having conversations with Matt Uwe and Yannick Salmon. And even I remember Toshi, Toshi Tojo. He was from Japan. He was another defender. I met on the state team and we, and I get to Gachi and like, I'm just surrounded by all these players who start to, like just like value my worth 
and they kind of like reaffirmed what what I was what I what I wanted, which was like I I do have like the potential, and I think also getting linked up with Wilmer early on and him being a coach and like having that influence on me in such a young age really helped kind of like shape my outlook because even if, if, if someone who's done it before Wilmer, who's played at the national team level with Columbia playing at the world cup played for 16 plus years professionally. And he's telling me like, Kevin, like you're very talented. Like you have what it takes. You just, you just need to be more consistent. And he's telling me things I need to work on. Like you start to believe it. You're like, well, man, like this is actual possibility. Like even to the point where like 17 years old, I, when I'm, and I'm getting involved to the U18 uh, national team pool. I'm like, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to keep playing. Uh, but thankfully my parents kind of intervened and they're like, no, well, you need to get your education first. I mean, soccer is always going to be there, but it's important that you always have that education as a fallback and as a way to kind of transition and, and some, and something you can apply to kind of every facet of your life after, after footy. So, um, so thankfully they stepped in and, you know, I made the decision to, to go to Villanova, but it was in that moment, kind of like mid high school to late high school years where I started thinking like, this is a very real possibility, uh, because I see all the competition around me. And it's not like uh, they're completely outplaying me. Like I'm, I'm very much with them all. And I feel like I've progressed nicely throughout the years and you can even keep progressing into like your early mid twenties and even late twenties if you're a different position. So I like, I always kept that um, in the back of my mind. And like I said, like I used those past experiences to kind of like drive me forward to know that, you know, that the ceiling is limitless, really. Like I worked on my left foot, I worked on my right foot, I worked on my fitness, I worked on my ability to read the game. And I think playing on the left side of the field and working on my left on my left foot made me so versatile where I was able to apply that with every club team I played on, every professional team play I played on, even college ball. Like I played on the left flank and the right flank throughout four years in college. I never even touched center back. I yeah, played wow. center back. I played center back probably never with never with college, uh, with New York Red Bull, U20 and U23. And that was more like outside back, uh, center back, but like play center back if we need you there, but really play as an outside back. And the same thing with Rough Riders. Rough Riders, with PDL, I was started out as an outside back, and then they they transitioned me to the center back because I was more impactful in, in that role. Um, but even still, like my first few years playing professionally in Sweden and in Ireland, I was playing on the flanks. And then at, towards like the end of my stint in, in, in those two countries, I started playing more center back. I jumped to the States again outside back and then I start to make more of an impact as a center back. So I knew like my calling or where I was more impactful and felt most at home was center back. But uh, if they needed me, if I needed, if the teams needed cover in those outside back roles, I knew the position well. Uh, I had studied it enough. I played it enough and I know how to read the game well enough. And, um, you know, I just kind of relied on like my knowledge of the game and, and my ability to read player movements and be in the right position. And that's a lot what, and that's a lot what you can, uh, what you need to bank on as a defender. You need to be in the right positioning. You need to be able to read the game properly and make sure you're connected with your back line. And yeah. of course, the guys around you so that you can vocalize where you need support and, and cover. So um, yeah. you know, it, it was like a steady progression, to be honest. Yeah, no, honestly, yeah. And that's, that's. I mean, it's so funny that like that you mentioned that too. I mean, well, firstly, you know, uh, you mentioned Yannick Sam and Matt Uwe. These are like, yeah. these are like New York soccer legends. And, it, and it's Prodigy. funny because that, that, yeah, for real. And, uh, and Yannick so Sam actually, uh, what's that? And so are you. Like when people <laughs> talk about, no, but you're laughing. But like, I remember being at the camp and Elliot 
was I was talking so much about he was building you up and I was like and I remember like we'd play against you and like you're two years younger but like you kept up with all the bigger kids and I was yeah. like like Greg da- like Greg Davis like he could be like a big name so like, <laughs> like and early on like we put you in those same categories so like those those uh like it's 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 uh it's crazy to like like Matt Uwe, Yannick Sam like each age group had like a standout player and you were that standout player for right, for right, and then I played, yeah, because I, I played up a lot, and I played with uh, with the Supersonics, which are yeah. uh, which are two years older. So I always and and I always was just like I always wanted to put on when I was playing because I was always yeah. a little smaller, but I just yeah. I just had like a I don't know I just had a drive, and I was like I'm not yeah. like I'm not gonna let anybody push me around. Like yeah. and plus it was like our trainer Elliot always like spoke so highly of me, so I was like oh I can't let him down and embarrass yeah. myself, right? But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean those guys obviously. Like I said, uh, and Yannick Salmon, who I actually had on my podcast earlier, but uh, yeah. but soccer legends, and that's a theme I think I haven't really heard yet. Is is that kind of like even just like idolizing or looking up or, or to those or, or, or trying to mimic your game from from those players? You know, even older players that that you see doing yeah. those things. So and even. You know, you kind of get so you you uh, I know you, you moved around and and you mentioned Sweden. And by the way, I'm not even sure if I pronounced that name correctly when I did yeah. the intro. I, uh, Lulia? Lulia, 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 yeah, Lulia. Right. Okay, gotcha. And then, um, yeah, and then I know I know that your your career took some you know had some turns and, and twists and turns as well because even when you when you made it to to Houston Dynamo, I, I believe that you were you were called up. I, I think from 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 the reserve team or yeah, from rgv so from, yeah yeah so what was that just explain so, that process in terms of getting called up because that again is like how you're progressing even further yeah, even yeah. Later, later in your career as well so so uh i'm in sweden i'm in ireland and i try to look for the next move out and i'm i'm in the off season and i'm trying to find out if it makes sense to stay in scandinavia um i think through my family an offer comes in or some interest comes in from colombia and I'd, I I want to make a jump to the first division in Colombia because I think it's competitive and it'd be great to to play in a league where a lot of my family uh, just grew up watching and I have family in Colombia so it'd be good to like see them out at, at different games and then um, a Pereira comes in with an offer and they want to sign me. Um, this is a second tier team, but it's it's very much a first tier team, just a team that got relegated and hasn't been able to get back up, but like very much the the stature and and recognition of a first tier club and they play in like an olympic style stadium so like and even the city in itself like i have family there so like it's a very real possibility that i'm going to sign in second division in colombia and i call wilmer because i think what better person to call than a player someone that i know personally who has played in the colombian league and i can kind of pick his brain on like the do's and don'ts of the league some of the risks and concerns that i have and i i ask him um you know i give him a call not even knowing really that he's uh, gonna be coaching, I think the second team. So I give him a call and I tell him like, hey, Wilmer, uh, someone like Pereira is, is reaching out to me. They wanna they wanna bring me in. Like they've already like kind of publicized it on their IG that like international Kevin Garcia American is coming to the team. And I'm like, like I haven't signed anything, but like Wilmer, I need to make a decision like really soon. Like they wanna book my flight and, and get me over there ASAP. And he's like, Kevin, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you honestly, uh, and he says it in Spanish, um, but he says pretty much like they'll pay you like they don't pay you, like pretty much saying like they can pay you some months, but they could equally just like withhold pay depending on how the team's financial situation is. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 25 years old at the time. And I'm like, that doesn't really sound that appealing to me. I'm thinking in my head. And then Wilmer kind of just like takes the conversation from there. He's like, Kevin, why don't, why don't, why don't you come to me? Why don't you, uh, why don't we like come here? 
Uh, we could have like a pre a pre contract organized. Um, let me let me fly you out. We're gonna have like an open tryout, but I want to see how you're how you're doing. Obviously, I've seen your highlights, and I think you're gonna be just fine. But I just want to see. I haven't seen you play since you were in probably high school. I just want to see how you're doing, how you're progressing, and and then you know with the pre contract we can sign it uh, right after. So uh, you know they fly me out. I'm in RGV. I'm there uh, for the open tryout and. You know, I do well for the couple of days. It's just a few games. And then the general manager from Houston Dynamo is there, Matt Jordan. I think the assistant general manager is there as well. And then Wilmer's there. And I feel like I haven't seen him in years. And um, But it's like you have to keep that, like, professionalism among among uh, you and the coaching staff. And so, like, I barely even talk to him, to be honest. And then, like, after the open tryout, I give him a call. I'm like, hey, like, what did everyone think? And he's like, yeah, it's going well. Just uh, negotiate with uh or talk with the assistant general manager who's the one managing like all the contracts for the rgv team and then finally like we pull it pen to paper and we sign end of january for the february start of preseason and uh throughout preseason um named captain of the rgv team and we had a really talented squad like we had a lot of former mls guys former draft picks and like players from the houston dynamo academy coming with us and i'll say like wilmer like that was a special year because Wilmer just like knew how to like pick certain pieces that just like fit into our puzzle in the squad. And like we started building a team and I was the oldest guy on the team. I was 25 years old. Everyone was 22 or younger, 23 or younger. And I was pretty much the veteran at 25 years old. So I had, I had to take that role and I played uh, predominantly as a uh, outside back center back. And we set the record that year for, the most minutes without conceding a goal. It was a USL record that was broken, set in 2016, broken in 2021, I think, by uh, Leonardo Fernandez's uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think we went 760 minutes without receiving a goal, which was like eight or nine games, and then uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies went to like uh, 800-plus minutes without receiving a goal. I know that because I forget... uh, uh, whatever reason I had to, I wanted to look back to see if I, we saw the record and I realized that it was broken by temporary ratties and they had a monster year in 2021. Yeah. Um, so credit to them, but like throughout that year, um, it, the goal was always to get to the first team, to get to Houston mm-hmm. Dynamo. So us doing well, and we would have players loaned down from the first team to our team. And, you know, I, I, I would, I was having solid performances. I was doing well and, and I was leading the guys uh, pretty well. And, I was being rewarded by training stints with Houston Dynamo. And uh, when Owen Coyle was there, I was invited for uh, like March for a week to be with Houston Dynamo. I thought I did really well. Um, definitely warranted another another uh, training stint with them. And I think I was invited one more time because we were doing well as a, as a team. We were always like in the top three positions, I think, that year. We ended that league. Uh, we ended the year in second place, um, just like missing out first place by like one point. I think Sacramento Republic uh, uh, edged us out by one point. And in the summertime, there's uh, like one last training stint where I'm there for like, I don't know, it seemed like four or five weeks, to be honest, um, because we had a big break in games for uh, RGV. And I remember I'm, I'm being flown in like the day before a game or like the day of a game. No, it's because I had a red card. I got a red card one of my last games. It wasn't a red card, by the way. We can look this up <laughs> against Oklahoma City and 
I, I, I bumped the guy on, on, on his hip and it's like me and him, uh, a dead sprint running back to the goal. And he goes down and he just like takes out. It's one of the only times I ever got a red card. And I'm just, I'm just so angry. I like, I storm off the field, but I'm able to see the team and they, 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 uh, fight out a zero, zero draw for like the last 10 minutes. So incredibly proud of the, of the guys for, for being able to manage the game out that way. So I, we then have like a month break or three week break, whatever it is. And I go to Houston Dynamo. I'm, I'm training with them for that whole time uh, in the summer. And then I don't, I don't play the next game um, because of the red card. So I get to spend more time with Houston and then I'm back with the squad. And this is like when we're going on our crazy run. And, you know, I think Wilmer's kind of managing it too. He's like, he doesn't want to break like the good vibes and the good chemistry we have in the team. So like, he's like kind of holding off on sending anybody back to the first team. And then we finally, there was one game we played sporting Kansas city at the end of the summer, which was a massive game because they end up loaning down. And this is when we're going on our streak and they end up sending down nine first team players. And that's unheard of. Like, and these are veteran guys, like like former uh, youth national team guys, like Olympians. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, Diego Rubio. I had to mark. He was a right winger. I was a left back in that game. They were like some ta- like some talented, talented players in that on that team. But we were just we were just so bought in, and we were so organized and defensively sound, and just like had the recipe for just being together and 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 scrapping wins out. And uh, just like we were just like a family. And I think that that game like really is a testament to how close we became that year and how bought in we were to to our game plan and our system. And we end up winning that game 2-0. We shut them out and I get uh, it's like, like a Saturday or Sunday game. And then Monday morning, I'm getting a call from the general manager like uh, we're sending over a contract. Uh, we need you to sign this before uh noon or one o'clock it's the deadline and we need you to look through it quickly so that was kind of the crazy 48 hour window of like flying to kansas city playing against uh, a very talented and competitive team winning showing out and then a day later being rewarded with the first team contract to see out the rest of the year um so that that was kind of that was kind of that transition from europe to rgv and to the houston dynamo yeah, yeah, nice. No, and that's again like an incredible story. Just because, like I said, it, it was just for you. It, it it seemed to like just uh just keep progressing even later and, and later, right? Like you said, even when you were like twenty five, being one of the oldest on the team, right? Because you know, I feel like you know, prime years for soccer players now just keep getting younger and younger, right? You hit twenty five, and it's like there's there there's there's hesitancy to sign a player that's twenty five, right? Because you're like, yeah. how many good years we're gonna get in this player? And right. and I definitely I definitely want to you know uh, definitely want to touch on what you're what you're doing now as you are working with the the MLS Players Association because I think that that was was kind of and 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 you could correct me if I'm wrong I feel like that that maybe have have maybe have eased your transition outside of sport just being that you you kind of were staying in the game and I know that you work on in particular with with Spanish-speaking players in, in the MLS yeah. and and you work on specific things in terms of helping athletes get prepared for life after sports. So tell me a little bit about, you know, just in terms of uh, what you're doing now um, yeah. and and how how what you're doing is is kind of preparing athletes for life after sports. Yeah, for sure. So I now uh, serve as a player relations manager for the MLSPA, and the MLSPA is kind of the bargaining voice for 
the the MLS player pool. Um, we kind of look to improve the standard and the conditions for all players in MLS. And, um, you know, right now we are in between bargaining cycles. So we have a bargaining cycle going through right now, but we finished and finalized an agreement with the league in 2021. And that runs through uh, the uh, beginning of 2028 after the World Cup. So so right now we're, we have this opportunity to expand on our relationships with the players and get more connected with them and make sure they're all informed on what resources and benefits they have as MLS players. So, you know, I worked a little bit with the PA as a, as a rep when I was a player and, um, you know, I attended the rep meetings and, and I think that kind of came from wanting to know more about my rights as a player. I think we can all kind of feel like a little bit inferior when we're talking to coaches or sporting directors and just, um, you know, not wanting to aggravate them or be problematic. So, I think it's good to have uh, an individual entity like the MLSPA um, kind of be there to support players to make sure that they're not alone in these conversations and they're being treated appropriately. So it was like a specific instance for me where I felt like um, there was just uh, an abuse of power and, and I didn't like the way that I, I felt in that situation. And that kind of led me to to talk with my head rep and I got more involved with the PA, with the PA as a result. And so... We pretty much were, we have our legal department, which, um, you know, helps regulate the players' uh, labor contracts as it relates to their employment, any employment issues, making sure that their bonuses are being paid, their reimbursements are being paid, um, and player relations, like we're kind of like the liaison there from the PA to the player pool, uh, making sure like all the messaging and the resources and programs are being communicated to the players and we're gathering that feedback um, so we're pretty much like the, when we when we talk about the players and we meet with the players, player relations is most uh, connected with the players. And we're mostly made up of former players. Um, Ty Harden is the director of player relations who played in the league for uh, a decade or so. Clarence Goodson, former national team player, played in Europe and played, I think, in the 2010 World Cup and has also played for San Jose in, in MLS and in Dallas during his earlier years. And then myself, where like, I think like my, 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 my route and my journey to MLS and after, I think is a strength because I was able to play in so many different leagues and meet people from so many different backgrounds. And I think learning, even being able to learn Portuguese now, I think I can attribute to being able to speak Spanish and even pick up Swedish when I was playing in Sweden. And so like, this is when I look back and I say like, I think every step of the journey, every step of my uh, of my career kind of played in ro a role in forming the person that I am today because it's led me to a position where uh, maybe it's easier for me to connect with international guys because I've had that experience of connecting with international guys. Uh, it's easier for me to connect with Spanish-speaking guys because I speak Spanish as, uh, as, a, as a native speaker and I'm connected with, uh, closely connected with my family and I'm constantly visiting Colombia and uh, Portuguese. Now I'm learning Portuguese and it's similar enough to Spanish. And I've also learned another language before. So I'm developing an ear and, and a tongue for uh, learning new languages. And it's becoming a little bit easier for me um, in my role to, to help serve those Portuguese speaking players, whether they're from Portugal or Brazil, because there are a good number of them that uh, we want to make sure that they're included um, in the conversations and, and we're mindful and valuing them as well in, in these conversations and in these meetings. So um, you mentioned, you know, talking about the mental aspect of the transition. And I think being so fresh out from playing, I can offer that unique uh, perspective because I've just gone through it in the last year, year and a half. 
of uh, kind of like what my teammates have gone through and what I went through on my on my own. Even though I did transition into a role, there were there were some challenges in that transition, as we all face in transitions. But um, I think when our, our our identity is so attached to to soccer, um, uh, we we kind of struggle with any deviation any devi- deviation from that path and. Um, we can kind of struggle with the first few months after that because you kind of lose yourself in like what your purpose in life was and you thought it was soccer. But like I, for me, I just kind of like rechanneled that and thought like soccer is very much a tool for me that got me to where I am. And, but I was able to connect with so many people. I got a great education. I was able to go back to school and get my MBA. I was able to get involved with nonprofits. It actually led me to doing even remote accounting work. I was able to use my degree while I was playing abroad and working uh, remote with a CPA from New York City. So, like, mm. and that's all because of soccer, because I was doing rehab at a rehab facility and I got to talk to somebody with who was a CPA and has his own accounting firm. And so for me, I look back and I'm like, yeah, it's a blessing that, uh, you know, that I was able to play soccer my whole life, but you're able to network and meet people from so many different backgrounds and get so much exposure and you have to take, and you take interest in things and um, it expands your knowledge and, um, it, whether, if, if it's philanthropy or accounting or finance, or if it's in working for the PA, like I never once thought that I was going to be working for the PA. And it, it just kind of worked out that way, just with my ability to, to talk with different players and their experiences and just having conversations. And I think that's something that we try to provide at the MLSPA is those networking opportunities. And we try to connect active guys with former guys who have taken roles in different industries. And we and we want to create more support for those players with uh, educational programs, whether it's undergrad or whether it's MBA programs or whether it's, um, you know, uh, getting introduced to recruiters and working with different uh, companies that can kind of tap into professional athletes and hone in on uh, that competitive nature that we have, those soft skills that are, are kind of hard to teach, but ingrained in us because we form that as part of our foundation as footballers is right. that work ethic, that that dog mentality, the grind mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're adaptable, uh, we're coachable, and and we don't give up, right? And and that we have that teamwork mentality. And I think that's that's something very valuable that players maybe don't think of uh, or don't reflect on enough. But there is a lot of value in those soft skills that we grow up learning and acquiring as footballers that we can transition into a new role. I think it's going to take time. It obviously there is a learning curve with some of the hard skills where it is the, the technology adaptation or whatever the specific uh, requirement is of that uh, role, whether it's coding. But like, I think we have uh, the ability and we have the work ethic to apply to whatever it is we want to learn. And it's just kind of seeing it through like we do with footy, right? And it's just putting in the hours like we did. And it's not going to be easy. Like the transition is always going to be hard. But I think, you know, we have to find ways to kind of transition into it. And I think talking with former guys helps do that. I think knowing that you're not alone in that process is a part of it's a part of the the healing process and, and and accepting it too. I think what helped me was being connected with former guys who had been through what, what, what I've been through and going through what I've been through. And don't get me wrong, it was still hard and I still had my moments, but having former players even at the PA and players that I was still connected with because of the PA connecting with former guys and seeing how they're doing and talk about the struggles they went through. I've made me realize that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this. There are hundreds, if not thousands of other players going through the same thing I'm going through. Um, so it, it helps you feel supported and well connected when you know other guys are going through it yeah. um, and that you have these other resources available to, to help you uh, through that transition.
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And listen, you're, you're kind of, I mean, you're living the, the whole point of this, uh, of this, uh, podcast. I mean, point of this podcast is life after sports and that's what, I mean, you're kind of focusing on that on a daily, right? Which, which you kind of explained. So listen, yeah. I think, I think every day you're, you're likely giving advice and tips. And, and like you said, just kind of having that, that network as well. And it's amazing that, that the work that you're doing is really focusing in on that and really kind of helping athletes, you know, get prepared while they're still playing. And, and that's, that's amazing. So, um, yeah. listen, Kevin, I mean, we'll, we'll hold it there, but, uh, just, just again, really appreciate you coming on and, and, and just kind of coming full circle, right. And so, uh, yeah. you know, from the, from the, uh, the worn out cleats to now, uh, yeah. the MLSPA, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, man, this was amazing. It was amazing to, to see you, to talk to you and, and, and to just, you know, just kind of learn about your journey, man. So listen, man, keep up the good work. I think what you're doing is, is absolutely great. And, and I really appreciate it. I think this is just such an, uh, a good insight to have on this, on this podcast, just yeah. um, somebody in, in a position like yours. So uh, yeah. really appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely, man. Happy to, happy to, to join the call and share any insight I have. Something I didn't touch on just quickly, just to, to close it out. I think what helped me also was like, when I graduated school, I think, or preparing for that moment where you maybe aren't playing anymore, I think it helps being connected to other kind of social networks. Like what, like for me, when I was playing at Houston Dynamo, I was connected with the nonprofit industry. I, I got involved with the church, the, the hospitals, and I got involved with uh, companies uh, delivering nutritious lunches to the doorsteps of food insecure children and families. So I think I was able to build networks, but it, like it gave my 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 life a little bit more meaning. And I, I wasn't just this soccer player, right? I was no, I was like a philanthropist. I I, I worked with uh, kids at the hospital. I you know I I volunteered to do uh, speaking engagements at schools. I went I did my MBA and I compl- uh, created like a whole different network. And I was able to get involved with the PA. So like the more that you can get involved with different societies and programs and initiatives, I think the more you can like broaden your network and kind of prepare you for that, that eventual transition. And even now, like even when like post-career, it's always good to just stay connected with, with people in different fields just for that. Another where I think if, if anything life has taught me is that there's always an opportunity there for a transition, whether it's from the field that you're in or from the career that you're in or just going through different stages of life so that if you can tap into some of those resources, it'll be that much easier uh, when the time comes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that point about feeling more like a soccer player, even when you were still a soccer player, right? Because I think yeah. if, the more you can realize that, the the better that transition will be. And you're like, yeah, I'm I'm more outside of this sport. And and I, yeah. I, I've learned that five years ago when I was, you know, like you said, delivering lunches or whatever it may be. Yeah. So listen, <laughs> these are all these are all great tips, man. And and, and uh, listen, next time you're in New York, we definitely got to link up. But yeah, uh, for sure, but appreciate you having on having you on, man. Much love. Thank you, brother. Take care.